It's time for your NBA fix. This is the Big Show Daily Assist. Featuring all the latest news and insight on the association. Now joining the Big Show. Senior NBA writer for Sports Illustrated, Chris Mannix. On 97.5-1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Daily Assist brought to you by Lee's Heating and Air. Check them out online, leesheatac.com. Out to the T-Mobile special guest line we go. T-Mobile and Sprint are coming together to build the best wireless company around. Visit T-Mobile.com for online services and local store availability. From Sports Illustrated, he's our friend Chris Mannix. Hi, Chris. What's going on, guys? Hey, we were just laughing uh, before you uh, you jumped on that last week. You, it kind of sank in that you're actually in the bubble in Orlando because it seemed like as soon as you hung up the phone with us, you were standing next to Rudy Gobert in a media availability. <laughs> it was, was kind of like, yeah, oh, Chris I mean, really is down there. Yeah, it, uh, you know, one of the enormous benefits of being here is that you just really walk a few feet and can go to a different practice. And, I mean, it – Ordinarily, you want to go see a team. For me, anyway, you hop a plane or you wait for them to come through. For me, Boston to get some at a shoot around. Now you can go to daily practice, daily shoot around to games, and I try to hit um, no fewer than four, sometimes as many as six practices every single day, and then go to one of the later primetime games uh, at night. Uh, I'll be at the the, six, the Sixers versus. Uh, the Spurs a little later today, so it's um, it's a really unique opportunity to, to to be around a lot of different teams and, and do a lot of different things. Does it make up for the confinement in the bubble? Yeah, because it's not. I mean, it's not really confinement. I mean, it's you're allowed to you you walk around. It's it's hot out there. That's probably the worst of it. But you know, I mean, it's hard to look at this as any kind of confinement. I mean, except for. You know, the same hotel room, which gets dirtier by the day, uh, you know, that's uh, probably the worst of it. But uh, overall, it's it's pretty solid amenities. I mean, it's I just ordered room service. Like, I mean, that's it's not that life is not that difficult here inside the bubble. <laughs> Chris, have you noticed any uh, trends with the basketball you've been watching on the floor? We had we had talked a lot beforehand about the three point shooting and whether that would be a little slow to come along. Have you noticed, you know, kind of teams struggling with certain things? Well, the shooting's better than I thought it was going to be. Um, and I don't have the overall numbers quite yet, but you know the games I've seen with the eyeball test have been pretty good. I mean, even the Rockets were 21 of 61 last night. You know, that's, that's still a solid number, even though it's below a number they want to shoot. Uh, but the Clippers have been really good, despite the fact that they've had so many guys you know, coming in and out. So the three-point shooting has been, has been pretty solid. I think the defense is what is – is just awful, you know, by and large. I mean, some of these numbers teams are putting up are eye-popping. I mean, I was watching, again, Rockets-Bucks last night, and Milwaukee's one of the best, not the best defensive team in basketball. And of those 63 pointers they gave up, like 50 of them were wide open. So, you know, there are, there are a lot of things teams have to clean up defensively, and some of that's conditioning. I mean, guys are clearly not in shape at this point, at least not in shape enough to go extended minutes and, and you know, be in the kind of shape they were in before the pandemic hit. Um, but uh, you know that that you know will hopefully come around as these teams as time goes by. But it's certainly something worth watching. You know, can, will these teams you know get better defensively? And top level teams like Milwaukee, LA, um, go down the list. I mean, they some teams win by their defense. If it's not there, that's certainly a difference maker. I watched that Rockets Bucks game as well. Did that thing mean anything to you? Uh, I mean, good win for Houston, and I'm still confused at why teams do not treat Russell Westbrook in the same way that Utah did. 
you know, back in February where they stuck Gobert on him and basically dared Westbrook to score 50 on mid-range jump shots. I mean, if I'm, you know, an opposing team, I take that. I take a, a Russell Westbrook mid-range over open three-pointers from good three-point shooters all day long. I mean, it's it just seemed a little weird watching, you know, Dante DiVincenzo, who had no chance in, in that matchup, and George Hill, who had a little bit of one, but not much, um, you know, just get cooked by Westbrook all game long. So, you know, that, that to me was, was surprising. I mean, the Rockets, look, they are what they are. There's nothing imaginative about their offense. It's, you know, one, you know, one-on-one play, four guys spread, and, you know, may the best man win. Uh, the team's going to have to start to get a little creative like the Jazz did with Gobert uh, to, to challenge the Rockets. Jazz have the Lakers tonight. Chris, what have you seen out of LeBron and the Lakers thus far? Well, LeBron's in great shape. I mean, I, you know, Davis is in great shape, too. And, and really, when it comes to the Lakers, it's all that really matters. I mean, those two guys playing at a high level makes everybody else, um, you know, that much better. So, in that sense, I think they've looked good. I mean, I still get concerned that guys like Deion Waiters and J.R. Smith are now in roles that require them to play meaningful minutes. I mean, Waiters, you know, just signed with the team back in March, and JR just signed with the team a couple of weeks ago. So, you know, having these guys in roles where, you know, they may have to play fourth quarter minutes if there's a, an injury or foul trouble, that, that to me is a little problematic. But Dwight Howard looks good, you know, continuing to pick up where he left off. Uh, you know, guys like Danny Green and Caruso are fine, and, and LeBron is, is LeBron. I mean, it was, it was kind of funny in that opener watching, you know, with no crowd – Watching the the one of the best defensive sequences I've seen all season, where LeBron, you know, bottled up Kawhi and switched out and bottled up Paul George, two elite offensive players, and he bottled them up in the same possession. It was you know kind of crazy to witness that with no reaction from anyone in attendance when you know if that had happened in Staples Center would have you know, made the building blow up. So it's uh it's it's definitely interesting to watch these teams kind of go at it uh, without the atmosphere that comes with with big games. That perimeter shooting, uh, Chris, may be better than you thought it was going to be, but I'm telling you, you were bang on with the Jazz. They have struggled from three. And the thing that's frustrating for them is they knew they weren't going to have Boyan Bogdanovich, and everyone talked about that being a disadvantage for them. But they worked for over a month on compensating for that, and then they come out in those first couple of games, and they, they can't compensate for it. Yeah, and they got a little lucky in that New Orleans game with Zion sitting the amount of time that he did. Um, that helped them get a win there. But you're right. I mean, at some point, it's not rocket science. You've got to make shots. If three-point shots are open, you've got to make them. And players have come down here, and many of them have not been as sharp as they ordinarily were. Now, I think I expected the Jazz to be a little bit sharper, um, you know, because they haven't been dealing with the coronavirus bug, you know, besides what they dealt with back in March. So having your kind of full complement in Utah at the facility in, you know, in Orlando at full strength, I thought that was going to be an advantage for them early on. Also training at altitude, I thought would be an advantage, you know, conditioning wise coming into all this, but that hasn't really manifested itself. It's still early. It's a couple of games in. So there's a lot of teams that are still trying to, you know, go with the flow here and, and, and get their legs under them. So I'm, I'm not ready to give up on him yet, but it's it's clear that that not having you know Bogdanovic is is a loss, and, and not making three point shots is just unacceptable for a playoff team. 
Chris Mannix from Sports Illustrated with us. Chris, Gordon and I have kind of had an ongoing conversation about which team would be the best matchup for the Jazz in the first round. And really, there's no good answer because these are these are really good teams. But they're like most likely to face Houston or Oklahoma City. If you were a Jazz fan, which team would you root for them to get? You know, I'd probably look, look at Houston because I don't, I don't want to face Chris Paul, a healthy Chris Paul in a playoff series and – you know, the advantage of Gobert is somewhat mitigated by by Steven Adams out there on the floor. Um, somewhat. I mean, he's still able to be great defensively, but Adams is a is a beast. Adams had a great start. Uh, I forget what his numbers were today, but I mean he's been very good in the scrimmages and then early on. So I don't know if I want that matchup. Houston at least like I said, I mean if you're the Rockets and you had something that maybe works with Gobert guarding Westbrook, I mean you can you can defend everybody else. If you just keep a body on those three-point shooters and, you know, deal with Harden getting, you know, some some portion of what he's going to get, uh, you've got a, a great chance of winning a series like that. I mean, Westbrook, I, I'm a huge Westbrook fan, but, you know, at this point, has he been able to be the alpha on a team that any kind of playoff success? Really, no. So if you put all the onus on Russell Westbrook to make, you know, big shot after big shot and to put up 40-plus every single night, he's going to have to prove he can do it. So I, I think I'd rather play Houston. I mean, look, the – the Rockets can also shoot you into oblivion fast. Like if you, you know, don't play that type of defense against them, they can win 127-101 very quickly. But you know, that's a team that I think if you're if you're Utah and you are comfortable with the go, that Gobert matchup, I might go in that direction. You know, one of the things that impressed me about the Thunder and the way they handled the Jazz uh, was the the pressure they applied defensively, Chris. I know you're not a coach, but you've watched a lot of basketball in your time. When teams are able to do that defensively, uh, what can a team do on the offensive end to overcome that? Quinn Snyder talked about making smart, quick decisions and being aggressive and getting to the rim. Is that is that the answer? Well, I think aggressiveness is part of the answer. I think a lot of coaches I've talked to about you know, beating defenses like that, especially one that are backstopped by big men, is that second drive. So you make the drive, you get bottled up, you kick it out, you get that second drive to the basket, so you're forcing that defense to to scramble a lot on that end of the floor. But it's just a little bit of everything, you know, when it comes to that. I think with Oklahoma City, you have to look at the quality of defenders they have, especially in the perimeter. I mean, Chris Paul is excellent. Jake Gilders, Alexander is solid. Dennis Schroeder has been much better this year on the perimeter. So they're able to, to do a decent job on the outside. Look, if you're foreshadowing a playoff series, Andre Roberson is back. And Andre Roberson has a lot of playoff experience with that team. And you give him eight games to get his legs under him, he's going to be a valuable contributor as a wing defender, whether it's you know on a Joe Ingles or even you know dropping down to defend a, a Mike Conley in certain situations. So it's another weapon that Billy Donovan can can go to. So that's, I, that's a long way of saying it's just one I wouldn't I just wouldn't want to face Oklahoma City if I had a choice in that first round. The Rockets aren't going to defend anybody. I mean, they are just I mean they're they're really horrible defensively uh, by and large. And I mean, watching Brook Lopez and Giannis you know, play in the paint. I mean, they, I've never seen a team win that was out-rebounded by 29. Like, I've never seen that before in all my years of, of covering basketball. They, and Rudy Gobert could average 40 in a series like that if he's patient enough. But, you know, that that's a team that you just have to find a way to slow down offensively. You don't really have much to worry about uh, when it comes to them defensively. Chris, uh, given that they lost Kawhi Leonard at this time last year, are you surprised or impressed that the Raptors are as good as they are? 
I'm shocked. Um, you know, and I, I think back to the Las Vegas uh, USA basketball camp that I was at uh, just about a year ago this week or last week, whatever it was. And I remember sitting down with Kyle Lowry and I wrote something, you know, where Lowry said, you know, we're not going to cry over Kawhi. We're going to pick up where he left off. We're going to go out and try to, to win a championship. And I, I wrote something up and, you know, Kyle actually DM'd me on social media and was like, you kind of made it sound like I'm saying we're the favorite. I know we're not the favorite. It's, you know, I'm just saying like, we're not going to whine about it. So, you know, it, that just resonated with me now because I, I can't imagine Kyle, even Kyle, a player that believes in himself as much as anybody in the league would you know, fast forward a year and look at the Raptors as being at worst kind of a co-favorite in, in this mix. I mean, there's a lot to, to wonder about this team when it comes to Siakam, his ability to be the alpha in the playoffs. But, you know, watching Fred Van Vliet today just go nuts. Uh, that's not an aberration. Fred Van Vliet's a really good. So, like, you know, these guys are showing that playoff experience matters and they're going to be comfortable in this moment. I think what else matters for them is that they've been in Florida since, like, you know, the middle of June. So they've had time together. They're, they're on the same page. They're probably in better condition than most of these teams. I mean, the Eastern Conference playoffs, they're going to be wild. I mean, Milwaukee, uh, they had a long – I was outside their meeting room earlier today. They had a long team meeting uh, today. And one thing they're going to have to do is is shore up that defense and, and you know defend three-point shooters better because if they're as bad defensively as they were in that game against Houston, they're vulnerable to a, a several teams in the Eastern Conference, including Toronto. As far as the atmosphere goes down there, Chris, uh, have you noticed any difference between the venues? Uh, is there a better feel one place or the other? Uh, what do you think? No, they're identical, both in, in aesthetics and how they feel. I mean, the NBA is tinkering with certain things. I mean, virtual fans is just weird, mostly because I don't think anybody knows how to do it. And these games start and continue with, like, a third of the seats empty, and that's pretty strange to me seeing – you know, virtual seats empty. And I also think that if people are listening and they go on these virtual seats to remember that we can see you at all times. So if you pick your nose or do something else, it's spotted very, very public way. Um, but they're, they're tinkering with different stuff. I mean, I, I don't know if the jazz do it. I haven't been to one of their games in person, but you know, uh, the Lakers, the Celtics, they bring, they have pre-recorded, uh, you know, introductions in their own play by play guy. Uh, you know, there's a very they try to make it as home a feel as they can for the the unofficial home team. Uh, so things change, you know, a little bit here and there. But every venue is almost identical. I'm going to the the Visa Center to see, you know, the Spurs and the Sixers, and it's the same as the arena. It's the same as the HP Pavilion. They're, they're all, you know, virtually identical on the floor. And as far as the social justice stuff goes, what has been your impression in that regard? I think it's great that so many guys. You know, either begin, end, or make their entire interviews about the things they care about. You know, for the most part, it's the the killing of Breonna Taylor that they're very vocal and passionate about. Um, I like that coaches are involved in all this with what they wear and what they say, whether it's Greg Popovich or Rick Carlisle who begin their press events. And Rick, Rick does it every time with some kind of significant moment in black history. Um, so there's, there's just a constant... There's a constant feel that about this movement that, that that keeps it at the forefront at all times. And, you know, players, you know, wearing the things they wear in the back of their jerseys, coaches wearing T-shirts, the buttons they wear uh, during games, it's all, uh, it's all great. I mean, I think it's – and it's only going to continue and magnify as we get into the postseason when there are even more eyeballs 
uh, on them. I am curious about you know the the anthem stuff. They, uh, I don't think players know if they're going to do it the duration of this uh, season and playoffs, or if it's just going to be during these eight seeding games. Uh, but whatever they're whatever they're doing, it's working. It's it's staying at the forefront, and it's keeping a very important issue front and center for for people to, to hear about. Kind of on that note, Chris, and you cover the Boston Celtics closely, kind of why I'm asking you this. Has Gordon Hayward uh, said anything or or has he had any comments on this? And I asked because when he was with the Jazz and the initial Ferguson happened in the Colin Kaepernick situation, the Jazz got together as a team and said they were going to link arms for the national anthem. And Gordon Hayward did that, but he also put his hand over his heart because it was something that was really important to him. So I was curious if you've talked to him or if he's made any statements about what uh, – kind of the NBA and the teams are doing? I don't think he's made any statements, and he obviously hasn't done anything different than the players on the team. It seems like everybody, uh, save for a few who have different reasons, are united on this front. So, you know, whatever his thinking was back then, it it clearly has evolved up until this point. And look, it's not unusual for that. I mean, it feels like every player to a degree and everybody – in the league office, their feelings have evolved on this. Like this, what happened to George Floyd and what's happening right now across this country has inspired a movement that has never been this inspired, for lack of a better phrase. I mean, go back to 2017, there were a lot of, you know, these issues were still there. Colin Kaepernick was um, early on in his, you know, kind of exile from the NFL. And the NBA, even then, you know, made it clear, and I wrote about this at the time, that if players kneeled during the national anthem, that there would probably be some kind of punishment. Now, no players did that season, but you know, the NBA was not going to be as tolerant of it as they are right now. I mean, this is, you know, I, how long will it last? I don't know, but I think whether it's Gordon Hayward or Adam Silver or any number of players that felt one way three or four years ago, that uh, I, I think a lot of them feel differently now. You know, that's how much different this current movement is to anything that happened in the past. When we talked with you last, we asked you about the the possibility of the unexpected. Now that you've seen a few of the games and you've seen some of the better teams play, and are you on that same line? Do you think that there is a chance that – Teams like the Clippers and the Lakers and the Bucks could be upset, or do you think nope? It's still exactly that, and that's what it's going to come down to. You know, I, I go back and forth because you know I, I felt coming in that this would be a wild resumption and a wild playoffs where anything could go. And then in the scrimmages, I watched Milwaukee just dominate early on, and Giannis looked great, and everyone looked locked in on the Bucks, and then. They squeak by the Celtics, they lose to the Rockets, and I'm starting to think, well, maybe they are vulnerable because they're giving up a lot of threes, I mentioned before. And now the Clippers coming in, I, I thought, I actually said on, you know, I was talking to Ryan Rosillo about this, I said, I think the Clippers could lose in the first round, you know, based on kind of all the uncertainty they had with their roster and so many guys that were not around. Uh, but they've come out and look great in the first couple of games of this uh, of this season, you know, making shots in the second one, of course, and, and they don't look like they've skipped a beat. At all, so I, I'm gonna. I guess as we speak now, I'll lean more towards it being more towards chalk. Uh, but I mean, that could change in a week, two weeks. I mean, I didn't think I'd be sitting here telling you I'm about to go to Spurs Sixers because San Antonio's two and zero and looks like they could make the playoffs with 23rd year in a row. I mean, it's like 
it's, it's some of this some of the stuff that is going on is kind of wild. But you know, for right now, I lean towards the the favorites coming out of the conference. But uh, I put it this way: if you are a gambler, don't take my bet. Don't don't <laughs> take my advice on any of this. I think a lot can change in this bubble. Chris, as always, thank you very much. We appreciate it. You got it, guys. Our friend Chris Mannix from Sports Illustrated, your daily assist, brought to you by Lee's Heating and Air.